Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I'm always excited once a week. No, I'm all excited every day. You know why? I get to teach and talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing better than that. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for being on another hour to share the gospel with our listeners. Thanks, Terry. Bishop Strickland, I'm going to go right to it. Um, I just read this morning, because uh, you had tweeted regarding Cardinal Seurat, but the Vatican is preparing a document for couples living in unions after marriage failure. So in other words, divorce couples are, you know, they're, they're running to reach out. Cardinal Kevin Farrell, a notable promoter of Pope Francis's 2016 apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, revealed that the dicastery uh, the, the was preparing a document in line with Pope's wishes on people who live in unions after marriage failures. Okay, uh, here's what Cardinal Seurat said, and I want to hear your thoughts. Cardinal Seurat says, No one, not even the Pope, can, de- can destroy or change Christ's teachings. No one, not even the Pope, can set pastoral ministries in opposition to doctrine. That would be to rebel against Jesus Christ and his teaching, Wow, that's straight talk Catholicism. Cardinal Seurat, I agree with it. Give me your thoughts about the concern you have regarding a document that would actually uh, go contrary to the perennial teachings of the church. Well, I completely agree with Cardinal Sarah that, um, and I I like the way he puts it, Mm -hmm. because it really is putting pastoral, so-called, in opposition to doctrine. Yeah. The greatest pastoral care is the truth. Amen. Just like we've talked about so many times. The greatest charity is the truth. Yes. There's nothing pastoral about changing teachings to make it easier for people. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I mean, it, it just, it's devastating for people's lives and it's devastating for the church. And this document if it comes out as that article i read the same article mm-hmm. if it comes it, if it is published the way that article describes it it needs to be opposed yes i don't care who it's coming from it's not the truth and if the vatican is misled bishops and and faithful catholics who know the truth yeah. need to stand up and say no we won't accept it because it's, I mean, more and more, I think there's certain people that seem to think that, well, you know, people don't know anything. We can tell them anything we want. We can change whatever. We can just distort and reshape and erase this and fill it in with that. The truth is the truth. And people have got to hold on to the truth. And I don't care who says a false message. It's a false message. Yeah. And we've got to say, no, we follow the truth of Jesus Christ. He said, if you love him, follow my commandments. That's in John's gospel. Yeah. And we've got to be strong. We've got to be clear. We've got to have true charity, which is always rooted in the truth. There's nothing pastoral pastoral about telling people, oh, well, that first marriage, eh, it doesn't matter. And, you know, you can go ahead and go to communion. You didn't bother to, to go through the uh, process seeking nullity. 
I mean, a lot of people misunderstand that process anyway. Right. But to simply just push it all aside and say, oh, you don't have to worry about it. You were in one marriage. You can get in another. You can be in multiple marriages. You can be in a gay marriage. I mean, all that document, I mean, what that article talks about is all those things. Yeah. And it's simply not the truth. And to keep pushing it is just destructive to the church and ultimately to human society. Because it's not just the church saying this. It's the truth from God. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the... And, you know, Bishop... You said it well a couple weeks ago that you and every bishop all the way from the Pope down, all the successors of the apostles made promises when they were ordained as priests and bishops. And they said, are you resolved to be faithful and constant in proclaiming the gospel of Christ? And then secondly, the question asked was to you and to all bishops, even the Pope, are you resolved to maintain the deposit of faith entire and incorrupt as handed down by the apostles and professed by the church everywhere and at all times. Of course you said yes. So in a sense, it's charity to call your brother bishops. And for me, our, my, I mean, uh, the Code of Canon Law says I'm supposed to let my bishops and my leaders in my church know my concerns. Well, my concern is you made a promise. You're supposed to pass on the perennial teachings of the church. So I'll, that's what I say. Now, you tweeted something that kind of fits right in with Pope Pius XI. You tweeted, he said this, this is not you saying it, this is the Pope back in probably the 1950s. Those wretcheds tainted with error of indifferentism and modernism hold that dogmatic truth is not absolute. Just what you just said. But relative, that is, that it must adapt itself to the varying necessities of the times and the varying deposit decisions of depositions of souls since it is not contained in a unchangeable revelation but is by its very nature meant to accommodate itself to the life of man i i say this because you know saint john paul ii uh wrote a document saying basically you can't change this issue on marriage because the gospel says it and a document that he put out back in 19, I want to say 88, or maybe it was, yeah, 1988, called Familius Consortio. Uh, he basically made the comment that the church's understanding teaching that divorced and remarried who previous unions in the church has not been declared null may not receive Holy Communion. The same thing that you said, Bishop Strickland. He said the church reaffirms her practice which is based on Bishop Strickland. No, it's not based on Bishop Strickland. It's based upon sacred scripture, the Pope said, are not admitting the Eucharistic communion divorced persons who have remarried. They are unable to be admitted thereto from the fact that their state and condition of life, here comes, objectively contradict the union of love between Christ and the church, which is signified and affected by the Eucharist. Besides this, there is another special pastoral reason. Here's what the Pope, John Paul II, the saint said. If these people were admitted to the Eucharist, the faith will be led into error and confusion regarding the church teaching about the indissolubility of marriage. I couldn't have said it better. Your thoughts? Absolutely. And, and all that, what occurs to me, Terry, I think the, what we have to remember 
from the Bishop of Rome, the Bishop of Tyler, the Bishop of wherever, yeah. <laughs> and all the faithful baptized. Yeah. We're servants of the truth. Amen. And the higher up in the hierarchy, yeah. the more responsibility ha we have, the greater responsibility we have to serve the truth. Amen. The truth is of God. Yeah. I mean, I had confirmation today at our school, and in the gospel it said to be anointed in the truth. And the truth, Jesus Christ is truth incarnate, as we know. And so we're there, we're to be servants. Mm. We're to humbly look and seek for the truth. To form our conscience well means to know the truth more deeply. And when we know that, we really are set free. Mm -hmm. There's a joy in knowing the truth. It doesn't make it easy. Yep. And I've talked a lot as I've talked to people about the difference between happiness and joy. Yeah. Living the truth brings you joy. Yeah. Maybe you'll be happy for a while when when you ignore the truth, but ultimately it doesn't bring you joy. And happiness is fleeting. Yeah. But joy is abiding and stays with us through good and bad, through tough and through blessings, through all the times. That's I mean, that's what marriage vows say. For better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Until death shall we part. Yeah. You made those promises That's right. to your wife. That's right. And those promises that a man and woman make to each other are also promises to society. That's right. To be that bond that nurtures the family and nurtures the community. And look where we are yeah. with people trying to redefine marriage and redefine family. We're a wreck. And we've got to be servants of the truth. And you know, Bishop Strickland, this is consistent with what Holy Mother has taught. This is what we mean by the perennial teachings. You you tweeted Saint Justin Martyr. When when was he alive? Wasn't it like the first century? First century. I mean, we're yeah. talking about the first century of the church. Listen to this quote that you said and just again think of it applying it to us today in 2023. He says no one may share the Eucharist with us unless he believes that what we teach is true. Unless he is washed in the regenerating waters of baptism for the remission of sins. And here it comes. And unless he lives accordance with the principles given us by Christ. I mean, first century, Bishop Strickland. Do you see the continuity, folks? This is not something you can change. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and continue on, but I'm fired up, and I'll tell you why I'm fired up is that when we have bishops like Cardinal Seurat, Bishop Strickland, and others who are willing to stick their neck out, I mean it, to say, you know what, <clears throat> I'm going to say what the truth is, and if that's something, if the truth is what breaks me because of whatever, I'm going to live with it because it's the truth that sets us free, as the gospel says. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back, indeed. Bishop Strickland, last week we talked about a great movie called Netherius, and it was a movie regarding uh, basically an exorcism and a man that had been 
possessed. And I know you watched the movie, and I wanted to get your feedback. For anyone who hasn't seen the movie, I don't want you to give away the, the, the movie, but tell us who you think should see it and why the, you, you know, what impression you had of, of watching that movie. Well, Terry, I think it's an excellent uh, depiction of the reality of evil, um, the reality of Satan's power in the world. Christ has conquered him, and we always have to remember that. But Satan still roams, as the St. Michael prayer says, he and his demons roam the world, as St. Peter says, looking for someone to devour. And this film really depicts that truth very clearly. rather disturbingly, uh, I would say every priest needs to see it, to be aware of the evil that's real in the world and harming people and misguiding people. I do think we need to be cautious, and I would encourage parents to be very cautious regarding their teenagers. One thing that I would say, Terry, I don't see it as entertainment. No, it's, it's part of a very serious spiritual information that we need. And I commend the people that made um, the movie because it really depicts the reality of what we're up against as far as the wiles of Satan. But again, always remembering in the, in the movie, the, the person that is possess, basically, all they need to do is turn to Christ. I mean, that becomes more complicated when they get deeply embedded with evil. But so I would say priests need to see it. Every well-formed Catholic adult should probably see it. But as I said, um, I was asked for some comments and I said, Go to confession before you see it. That's what I did. Pray a rosary for people that (laughs) that are caught up in evil. Because many people are flirting with evil, think it's something to play with, or they get into you know some of the satanic stuff. Yeah. They don't realize they're literally playing with the fires of hell. Yeah. And so it's it's a it's well done. It it clearly depicts the the reality of evil. But it needs to be taken very seriously and not just uh, something to see for entertainment or because it's sensational. But it it speaks of our reality. It speaks of the reality in the world today. And too many people, too many things going on. We could point to issue. Abortion is is very clearly highlighted as part of the evil agenda of Satan. Right. And we we just have to be aware of that. So in that sense, the the movie is really catechetical in that sense. It is. Telling us what evil is and that we need to be awake and alert to it. So priests and well-formed Catholics need to see it. But you need to take it seriously and not approach it as, you know, just going to a movie for entertainment, yeah. but for information and for awareness of what we need to guard against. And I think a lot of people will probably say the St. Michael prayer more fervently oh. after they've seen that movie. Amen. And I want to add one more thought, Bishop. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of my priest friends, my age and under, have never received what I would say basic 
catechesis in the seminary regarding spiritual warfare and the devil. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. I didn't. Yeah. And as I've talked to exorcists, I mean, they're still not, the seminaries are doing a good job, yeah. at least the ones we use. Yeah. But they, uh, they're still not, I mean, there's a lot to focus on, but they need some basics yeah. in, in the reality of evil. Um, and, and certainly, as this movie really points to, there certainly psychological things are real and, and all of that, but it acknowledges that evil is real as well. And so you're right, though, Terry, the, the formation to just be aware of that as yeah. priest. I mean, every priest doesn't need to be an exorcist, no. but every priest does need a basic level of awareness and just encouraging people to realize, I mean, even the exorcist will tell you the power in the name of Jesus Christ is a great power that every Christian has. If anyone has any concern of, of being affected by evil, just say in the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. I renounce this and certainly not stop there. If it's something they need to consult a priest or whatever, but everyone can say that. Every believer can say, I renounce this in the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And there's power amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Bishop Strickland, I keep saying that you and other bishops, many bishops and cardinals, are in that realm of not worrying about who will be offended when you guys speak the truth. You worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. And so you're always standing up for life even when certain people in the church and they're high officials, they're much higher than you in councils and, you know, they're big, big shots, but you still speak up for the unborn, even when uh, it's not politically correct to do that. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, the uh, scandalous president of the Pontifical Academy for Life is openly in favor of introduction of a law permitting euthanasia. Such laws, he says, cannot be excluded cannot constitute the greatest common good that is concretely possible in modern society. Is this microphone on? A man of God saying something like that? That, you know, I could say, I'll just look the other way. You know, let's just say it didn't happen. No, this is misleading people, Bishop Strickland. Absolutely. And we need to speak out against any false pronouncements, especially from people in significant positions. Yeah. Because... It gives people license to do what they're already inclined to do. Yeah. I'm a sinner. Yeah. You're a sinner. Yeah. We're all inclined to take the easier path, the more pleasurable path. Whatever this world says is good, we, we're inclined to do that. Yeah. But the gospel very clearly tells us we're meant to seek what is above, not what is below. Yeah. And these kind of false teachings just encourage people to say, oh, well, if life gets too rough, I'll just euthanize myself. Yep. Or if it's too tough keeping up with some elderly person or some person that's disabled in some way, yeah. oh, well, we'll just help them, you know, go ahead and die more quickly. It'll make it easier. It's just evil. And we've got to speak against it. And, you know, the argument, as I understand it, and th that this, this uh, was talking about was, well, I don't personally think oh, you should give me a break. euthanize someone, yeah. but if other people want to do it, they have a right to. 
that's there is no my personal truth against the real truth. It's only one truth. You know, I hate to say this. I'm going to catch you off guard here. Not a tweet, but it just when you were speaking, it made me think of a diocese in the Midwest. And uh, you know, we can't. I'll just say it. He that the bishop wanted all um, people in his diocese to receive the vaccine, saying that you have a moral obligation to take the vaccine to try and prevent the spread of any diseases. And he made an exception. If you weren't Catholic, he said, I don't want to put my morality on you. And I, he's both on, he's wrong on both parts. I mean, it's just, it, it, how, what kind of thinking do you have? <clears throat> you're a shepherd of the church, and you're telling people they have a moral obligation to use an abortion-tainted um, vaccine to put into your system, and you're saying that you're morally obligated to do that, but if you're not Catholic, well, we're not going to force you to do that. I, I'm just saying this is the world we're living in, Bishop Strickland, and that's why you know, the clarity with charity is so important today and what you just did regarding the president of the Pontifical Academy of Life saying, no, what you said is not according to the mind of the church, with all due respect. Thank you. One of our friends, mutual friends, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, um, we've had him on the show many times, I think even on your show here. And um, he had a comment that said, and I want you to explain, you just said amen. That was kind of short. Here's mm. what he said. There is no divine positive will or natural right to the diversity of religions. Can you just share what that means? Because I think people are going, well, what are we talking about divine positive will? Can you kind of break that down? Well, it, it sort of, it gets to be a bit complex theologically, but it really isn't. Any truth is really not that complex. Mm -hmm. And what the, uh, what the Archbishop, or what Bishop Schneider is getting at is certainly God permits things. Right, it's permitted. That ultimately will. God's will is for the salvation of all. And through his That's Catholic God's church. will. And through the Catholic Church. Through the Catholic Church, through Jesus Christ, yeah, right. His Son. Yes, exactly. He's the Savior. Amen. And that's why the church that Christ established yeah. is really the only church. And that me doesn't mean, oh, we've got it all right. Absolutely. We don't. But the church that Christ established is the church that everyone is called to belong to. Yes. What the bishop is talking about with the positive will of God. It, it's a contradiction of Catholic faith yeah. to say that God intentionally wants other people to be part of another church. God permits it right. because he, he gives us free will. Yes, He gives us a lot of leeway in everything That's right. because we have free will in morality, in all the choices we make. We have free will. And in how we choose to live, I mean, because of free will, people can say God doesn't exist. Yeah. That doesn't make God cease to exist. <laughs> but they're free to take the path of darkness. That's what it comes down to. Amen. I love and what the bishop is saying is that God is not directly intending yes. that some people make the wrong choice and choose false over true. But God, because we have free will, he permits that. But 
to say anything contrary to that is, is to deny that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life that baptism in Father, Son, and Spirit is the doorway to life in God, in Jesus Christ. To, to claim that God has a direct will, that some people are this religion and that religion, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Because we know that Jesus Christ is Savior of all, for all time, period. Amen. I say amen, amen. Wow, I love it. Thanks for that clarification. Hey, when we come back, I love when you when you tweet the Bible. And we're going to take a quote from Hebrews chapter 13. So folks, open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. And uh, this is a, a very important scripture verse to look at. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a short break. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back. I mentioned a little teaser about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. Bishop Strickland says it's critically important that we pay heed to these simple words. And here it is. Seek the lasting city, that is eternal life with God, and all the ills of this world will begin to heal. Here we do not have a lasting city. We seek a home that is yet to come. Your thoughts? Well, I, I obviously agree with it. Yeah. I put it out there, but... Hebrews is a is a beautiful book, has a lot of wonderful truth, and it it just reminds us of what the focus is. Yeah. We are so focused on building the city here, the city of man. <laughs> yeah. But we are called to something so much more, yeah. so much more fulfilling and lasting and meaningful and full of God's goodness and love. We, we need to get our noses out of the dirt and look up to the sky again. Amen. I mean, as a church and as individuals, as humanity, we're, we're, we're just gazing at the ground and saying, oh, we, we have to remake this world and we're all worried about this world. We need to look up and remember our destiny is beyond this world in a different kingdom. Well said. St. Thomas More said, Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And I have it written in my book because I try to remember that when, when we do have these tribulations that we know our lasting city is in, in heaven. Uh, Bishop Strickland, you <coughs> tweeted Jim Caviso's a little six-minute uh, clip about being courageous in this world because we're, we're at a battle. And I'm not going to play all six minutes, but I want to give a teaser of what you tweeted and play a little three-minute clip of what Jim has to say and then get your take on it. Mr. Engineer, let's play the clip for Jim Caviso. We are headed into the storm of all storms. Yes, the storm is upon us. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot buy our security of one nation under God. Our freedoms in Christ our Savior from the threat of the devil any longer. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war. But there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. 
surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends refuse to face. Our priests, our pastors, and now, sadly, even our Pope, that his policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum, and what then? When Satan has told his own, he knows what our answer is going to be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of his cold war and someday when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because you see by them we will have been so weakened from within, spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price or better read than dead, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees with his mask on than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know it and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, well, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy, or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our beloved dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace, you say? Well, it's a simple answer after all. That you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which evil must not advance. And this goes for our beautiful, beloved Constitution as well. Just barely hanging in there by a lifeline. Do we even believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? You know, there's no coincidence why it's in that order. Because without your life, you have no liberty. And without your life, you have no happiness. That all men are created equal. Ladies and gentlemen, not born equal. Wow, wow, wow. Every time I hear that, Bishop Strickland, I get fired up. I've met Jim. He used to come to our family conference when he was just coming back to the Catholic faith in the early 1990s, and I gave him all of Bishop Sheen material, Scott Hunt material, and uh, I just I just really respect a man to take it public uh, something what he just said to get us fired up to know that we're in a battle for our soul. You're, I mean, obviously you like the, the clip, but aren't you impressed with someone in his position to lay it out like that to the public? Absolutely. And I wish we had leadership <laughs> yeah. that would speak that way <laughs> instead of in the sort of gobbledygook that we hear, frankly, from too many places on whatever side of the political spectrum. Yeah, exactly. We need that kind of clarity. And what occurred to me as, as I listened to that speech by Jim Caviezel is we've got to stand now. Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, well, you know, calm down and just, just be quiet. It's okay. They haven't done anything too much. We've got to say no. Amen. If it's not the truth, like I said before, we're called, all of us, to be servants of the truth. And, I mean, in the media, we're, we hear so much stuff. And you hear 
maybe a little glimmer of something. Well, maybe that's the truth. But then you don't hear any more about it. And there are no consequences. The, the people in charge don't seem to want the truth. And that is evil. And we've got to, all of us, I mean, he's talking about the nation. He mentions the Constitution. It's the same truth, the same truth for the nation, yep. for the church, for each of us, for every family. The truth is the same. And we've got to stand and and not surrender, exactly. but say, if it's not the truth, I will not bow to a false message, whether it's a message about our nation or a message about Jesus Christ and his church. We've got to stand our ground for the truth. Yep. I often quote, it's a, a nautical term, hold fast. Yes. And if you've ever been on a sailboat, you know what that means. You. Because if you don't hold fast, you're going to fall overboard right. or fall down at least. Yeah. I mean, when a boat is tossed in the waves, to hold fast is just basic survival. Yep. And that term, really, I like it because we've got to hold fast yes. to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Truth, Truth Incarnate. Yes. And if it's not part of his truth, we should reject it outright, vehemently, vigorously, and joyfully say no. You know, Bishop Strickland, you motivated me just hearing that because last weekend I took my family and my grandchildren to Catalina Island, which is like a 26 miles across the ocean from Southern California. And we had a, a lovely uh, trip to see all the, the submarines. And, you know, the kids loved it. And we bought a little outfit for our five-month-old granddaughter at a little shop. And I was holding the baby later, going in, just, you know, walking in there and talking to the store owner. And I said, isn't it incredible that we live in a country where they want to kill babies like this? I used her as an example. And he said, please, I don't want to go down that road. That is, that, that's such a horrible thing we're doing. I don't want to talk about it. And I said, well, if we don't talk about the defense of these little ones, who will? And he looked at mm -hmm. me and he said, yeah, but can you imagine? He said, my daughters, you want to go back to the coat hanger days? And, you know, I mean, and I said, well, let me ask you this. Is it reasonable in your mind that we should execute a baby that had nothing to do with uh, what your daughter did with a man? I, I, is, it, is, it, is it reasonable to execute someone who had done nothing wrong? And he looked at me and he said, of course not. And I said, well, I guess that's my point, my friend. We've got to speak up for these little ones. And so the point of it was, it was so uncomfortable for him to talk about abortion. But my point is, I'm convinced that wherever we go, folks, please, I'm no different than anyone else. I'm just a layman. I'm holding my little five-month-old granddaughter, and I'm going to say, this is what abortion is. They're killing our babies. What are we going to do about it? And I understand. Now, I have no idea, Bishop Strickland, what's going to happen to that man's position about this. Maybe he's going to forget the conversation. But you know what? I take every opportunity to stand for life wherever I'm at. And I, yes, I use my grandchildren as examples of the future of society. We're killing it off. If you had scientists were looking at animals, okay, and they were killing their young, we'd say something's wrong with the animal. 
because they're doing, they're killing their offspring. What about us? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I had to, I kind of got to unload it on you on that. But the, the thing about it is when Jim Caviso said, the unborn, we have to defend. Yes. And we keep forgetting that when we've gone through 60 million abortions. And I'm just, I, I'm sorry, I got off on it because it's what the devil wants. He, it, this is like a sacrament for Satan. The more babies yeah. killed, I, I heard from an exorcist. He said that demons are, uh, are are able to do much more effective work on every time somebody aborts a baby because it's the murder of an innocent life, and that's their game plan. So let's let's you know step up our game, everybody, when it comes to defending life. All right, I'm done, Bishop Strickland. I just want one more tweet, and then we'll get to the catechism. Um, the bishops that are, and also you're not only Catholic bishops standing up for this uh, transition for kids, saying that it's wrong, because we're having more states now, like Tennessee and North Dakota. <clears throat> They're all saying, hey, we're not going to allow this to happen because you're abusing our children. But uh, you made a comment and a tweet. I'm blessed to be included with these faithful men. Let us pray that many more shepherds will speak against the tyranny of evil in our time. So I just say, yes, please, let's have more bishops speak out in stopping this atrocity of abusing our children, trying to change boys into girls and girls into boys. That goes against natural law. It goes against God's law. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Chester on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I get so confused, Bishop. It amazes me how God uses the weak to turn to <laughs> a gospel. I mean, I mean, I'm just a, a Joe Sixpack guy who loves the Lord, and this is something that I think all of us can do, and that is share the gospel in anywhere, any place we're at, and that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Bishop Strickland, we have the Catechism, the Way of Christ student book that I have in my hands. And it's great because it's question and answer. People can get it from the St. Philip Institute. You can buy your own copy. And we've been going through this catechism, and I'll tell you why, in my opinion. You agreed with this, that most Catholics need a refresher course. That many of us Catholics never got the deposit of faith really taught to them as youngsters. And I agree with that. And I think it's important that we do more reviewing on our faith. And so this chapter six is on the Paschal mystery, the redemption of humanity. Okay. Second question. It's pretty simple. How did Jesus prepare for his passion and death? And it's a, it's a, it's a short paragraph. I mean, it's a Jesus celebrated his final Passover meal with the apostles called the last supper at the last supper. Jesus did not offer a lamb as a sacrifice, but instead offered his own body and blood under the, and this is really critical, the verbiage, under the appearance of bread and wine. Transforming the Passover, Jesus formed a new covenant that would bring forgiveness for all human beings who accept it. Great teaching, Bishop. Yeah. It gets down to the basics. And, and Bishop Strickland, this is something that I know with Mother Angelica, her 100th anniversary, 100 year old if she was to live. She died seven years ago, but she was born 100 years ago this past week. And she was very vocal on this issue that the teachings of the church teach about 
that Jesus is under the appearance of bread and wine. Mother got in trouble back in the 90s. And I helped her get in trouble because I sent the document to Mother. Uh, Faithfully we gathered by Cardinal Mahoney. And in the teaching, it was saying that, you know, the bread and the wine, that Jesus is in the bread and the wine. And I hear certain people say that, but that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. And Mother kind of blew a head gasket over that, and I do too. We need to be precise. And I noticed your catechism is very very clear that Christ is present in the appearance of bread and wine. And I think we have to be so clear on our teachings because, as Bishop Robert Barron said, a church that's not precise with its teaching is corrupt. So he said it. I didn't. I just happened to agree with Bishop Barron on that point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to the next question. To what does Jesus' passion refer? Hmm. To what does Jesus' passion refer? Jesus' passion refers to the spiritual and physical suffering Jesus endured from his agony in the garden until his death on the cross. Jesus' passion, therefore, refers to his agony in the garden, trial, scourging, crowning with thorns, carrying of his cross, crucifixion, and the death on the cross. We just experienced that last month. Or this month, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the heart. And, and what this, I think, is important mm-hmm. to emphasize, Tell me. it's all rooted in what the Eucharist means. Yeah. The great gift that we have in the sacraments, and especially in the Eucharist, yeah. is... It, it gives us, it, it's hard to, to really put into words, it's hard to grasp, because it's different than really just about any other reality. But what happens with the Eucharist is the very same power of all that passion that we talked about, mm-hmm. all those different moments in the passion of Christ, the... Um, Agony in the garden, yep. his death on the cross. All of it is the power, the meaning of it, the reality yeah. is at every Mass. Mm-hmm. And that's the wonder of the Eucharist. It's not like Christ just left us, you know, I mean, in our age, you might say, Oh well, Jesus just needs to pass out pictures, so we we all know we all have a picture of Jesus in our home. He gave us the reality to be present in our time, in our place, in our journey through life. That's what the Mass is. Yes, thank you. Making Christ really present. Yeah, well said. In the year 2023, mm-hmm. on this day, April 26th. I imagine you went to Mass. I did. I had Mass this morning. And at those Masses in different places, that's what I think we need to, we need to use our Catholic imagination to really just sort of breathe in what we're really saying when we say that bread and wine becomes the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. Under, as it says here, under the appearance of bread and wine. Right. It still looks the same. Yeah. The scientists could come in and examine it. It's still 
right. wheat bread and grape wine. Yep. But the best word the church has is transubstantiation. Yeah. But the the reality is we are taken to the passion of Christ. Man. We it's made our reality the reality of what he experienced. And I really look forward to being able to say 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Because now, in the year 2023, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was 23 years old. Right. And so he hadn't begun his public ministry. I love to think about those years, the hidden years. Yeah, the hidden years. Where we know nothing of what happened with Christ. We know he was living there with Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. We don't know when Joseph died, but I look forward to the year 2033 when we can say we're actually 2,000 years from what happened on Calvary. Wow. On everything that the Mass is about. Because that's what we've got to remind ourselves of, that you there in California, me in Texas, someone in Australia, yeah. someone in, you know, in some places in China, you yeah. know, it, we don't want to get into all that right. because there's some some false Catholic churches in yeah. China. Right. But we need to really embrace that wonder that Christ is really with us as he promised. You know, I think sometimes in teaching children and young people, uh, a, a lot of times I just like to say, you know, because, uh, well, why do we believe that bread and wine becomes the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus? Really, what it comes down to is because he said so. Yeah. <laughs> he told the disciples very clearly, yep. multiple times, in many different ways, just like a good teacher he tells them many different times in many different settings, you have to eat my body and drink my blood to have life in you. And the bread and wine become his body and blood. So that's what the Paschal mystery is. Amen. We experience the whole reality of the passion of Christ at every Mass. And that's why it's a loving sacrifice. It's not just some gathering of God's people. It's not primarily a banquet. It's a sacrifice. Right. Because the sacrifice of Christ is what gives it the power to transform our lives as well. Well said. Last question. What does Jesus' death on the cross mean? Well, wow. Jesus' death was no accident, but part of God's plan of salvation. Jesus bore all the sins of the world willingly offered himself on the cross as the paschal sacrifice in order that we could be reconciled to the Father and forgiveness of our sins. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, yep. you know what I'm going to say, Bishop? My three-year-old grandson, I just, I'm, I'm doing a catechism teaching on with the angels, and this is so basic that even when they're three years old, he has that concept. Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. But you know what, Father or Bishop Strickland? I think we still need to say this 
it's clearly this is saying it because there are people who are adults who didn't get that message. Is that shocking? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the, the key problems we have, because like we're talking about being servants of the truth, yeah. too many people don't know the truth. Right. And they just look to shepherds who may be guiding them away from the truth, sadly. And they don't know enough to say, wait a minute, Father, wait a minute, Bishop. I know the truth. I know the catechism. And that's where we're weak as the body of Christ. And we've got to be stronger. Thankfully, there are a lot of people that do know, but there are too many that don't. Yep. I have to just say before we get a blessing from you, um, we, we've now published 12 little one-minute catechisms for little children. It's using animation, and I'll send it to you publicly, but it's coming out on our website in about a week. And my grandson likes the idea of the good angels and the bad angels and how St. Michael. And so every night before I send him to bed, he wants me to tell that story over and over again. But here's the point I'm trying to convey. Little kids need to know good and evil. Not nothing's that life is not neutral as the cultural world wants. The, the yoke, yoke world saying, No, no, it's you have your truth, I have my truth. No, we need to teach our children at this early age that you know, this is the battle that went on in heaven, and the battle's still going on for our soul today. My three year old grandson understands that. Why? And this is why I put together these catechism lessons using animation. So we'll talk more about that later. Bishop Strickland, for those who want to get this catechism called The Way of Christ, I think we can put that up there right now, the St. Philip Institute. Go right there and get that from the website. Can we receive a blessing, please? Sure. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for Terry Barber and all of his crew at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, that they may continue to share the wonderful truth that is your Son incarnate among us, that we might all be blessed and strengthened to stand strong, to hold fast to the truth your Son lived, suffered, died, and rose to share with us, and that we may share that truth, the good news of the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Strickland. Anybody wants to listen to old shows, go to vmpr.org. They're all a podcast there for you, and all the shows that we produce here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family, and look forward to hearing from you again next week at the same time. God love you and your family.